Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Considerations for Identifying the Right Patient for Intravitreal Anti-VEGF Injections in Neovascular Age-Related Macular Degeneration. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent medical education grant from Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, Incorporated. Hello, my name is Talia Kaden, and I'm an assistant professor of ophthalmology at Manhattan Eye, Ear, and Throat Hospital, which is affiliated with Northwell Health. Today, we're going to be using a case-based approach to identify patients with neovascular age-related macular degeneration who may benefit from intravitreal anti-VEGF injections. Let's start with a brief case vignette. Charlie is a 75-year-old man who was referred to a colleague for a cataract surgery evaluation. At that visit, he was found to have vision loss in his right eye that was not consistent with his cataract. He was then referred for a retinal evaluation. When Charlie came to see me, I obtained an OCT scan, and this is what we found. This is an OCT through his macula, or the central part of his retina, and you can see that he has some subretinal fluid and a neovascular membrane. We'll come back to Charlie's story later in the program. First, let's review what we know about assessing neovascular AMD and identifying patients who might benefit from intravitreal anti-VEGF injections. As we discussed earlier, OCT is a helpful tool to measure both progression and response to treatment. OCTs can help us evaluate important biomarkers in neovascular AMD, including the presence of intraretinal fluid and subretinal fluid, or hemorrhage. When patients come to see me and I want to assess whether or not they may or may not have neovascular macular degeneration, I always perform a full ocular exam. That includes looking at their anterior and posterior segment and checking their intraocular pressure. We consider their vision and, as mentioned, their OCT which allows us to look at the intraretinal fluid, their subretinal fluid, and the presence or absence of a hemorrhage. When Charlie was referred to my office, we performed a full clinical exam, including repeating his visual acuity testing and an OCT of the macula, or the central part of his retina. We found that he had signs of macular degeneration in both eyes, but in the eye with the decreased vision, he had evidence of neovascular age-related macular degeneration. Based on the results of these assessments, I determined that Charlie was a good candidate for intravitreal anti-VEGF injections. In our next session, we'll review the risk-benefit profiles of available intravitreal anti-VEGF therapies and the strategies I use to counsel patients like Charlie about treatment expectations. Welcome back. In this session, we'll review treatment options for Charlie, a 75-year-old man with neovascular age-related macular degeneration. In the previous session, Charlie was referred for a retinal evaluation to determine the cause of vision loss in his right eye. We did an OCT and a clinical exam, which helped us to make the diagnosis of neovascular AMD. Going forward, we will discuss his diagnostic test results, we'll set his treatment goals, and we'll discuss his treatment options. We are really fortunate to have many options to treat neovascular age-related macular degeneration, including a few new drugs that were just recently approved. Let's briefly take a look at the risk-benefit profiles of available anti-VEGF therapies 
and how to counsel our patients about treatment expectations. So what are the goals of anti-VEGF therapy for neovascular age-related macular degeneration? I'd say the first and most important is to achieve excellent functional vision and then also to minimize intraretinal and subretinal fluid in our patients. In terms of the drugs available, as I said, there are many wonderful drugs. The first drug that was ever approved for use in macular degeneration was bevacizumab, which has been available off-label from the FDA since 2005. Since then, we've had access to ranibizumab, aflibercept, brolicizumab, and more recently, fericimab, and a higher dose of aflibercept. There are also FDA-approved biosimilars for some of these products. But as you can see, we have many excellent options for treating our patients. Let's talk a little bit about some of the risks associated with these injections. So there are some common risks, things that many of your patients may have, but that are not that dangerous. These include things like subconjunctival hemorrhages or eye pain, irritation. Sometimes my patients tell me their eye hurts like they had soap in the eye, which they did. But there are also things that are much more concerning, much more rare, but also more serious. And these include things like endophthalmitis, intraocular inflammation, or occlusive retinal vasculitis. In summary, there are many intravitreal anti-VEGF agents that are approved for neovascular macular degeneration. They're effective at improving visual acuity, but while rare, it's very important that we look out for the serious complications that can occur, including endophthalmitis. After an extensive discussion of the risks, benefits, and alternatives to treatment, Charlie and I agreed to start treatment with an anti-VEGF agent to his affected eye. In the next session, we'll discuss strategies for optimizing treatment outcomes and patient satisfaction. In this session, we'll highlight common treatment challenges and practical strategies for addressing them so that we can optimize treatment outcomes and patient satisfaction. Many patients fear or have anxiety about the injections, so it's important that we educate them about the procedure. Let me show you how I discussed the mechanics of the injection with Charlie, the 75-year-old patient we met in the first session. Not everyone will be comfortable discussing how the injections are given. So the first thing that I do is to gauge Charlie's level of comfort with hearing the details of the procedure. I often ask, would you like to know everything I'll be doing or do you want just kind of broad strokes or general overview? Like many patients, Charlie was concerned about how painful the injections would be. I reassured him that the procedure is quick and well tolerated. I also made sure to tell him about the precautions we take to prevent infection. Charlie's biggest barrier was anxiety and fear about the injection, but it's important that you identify and address any barriers that are specific to your patient. Let's explore the top barriers for patients and caregivers as well as some strategies for optimizing treatment outcomes and patient satisfaction. Here are some common barriers to treatment for both patients and for their caregivers. On the top, you can see that the issue that's most concerning for people is really whether or not there will be pain. There's also a large concern about whether or not there'll be a lot of fear or anxiety about the injection. But then there's some differences. The caregivers are usually more concerned about travel logistics, while patients really want to know more about the disease and about what's coming next. Here are some of the ways that I counsel my patients prior to receiving an injection. First, I make sure to try to allay their fears about getting a needle in the eye. We talk about what I'll do to minimize their pain and discomfort, 
And then I make sure that I'm managing their expectations, not only about the treatment itself, but also about the timing of future clinical exams. As mentioned before, we do everything we can to prevent endophthalmitis after an intravitreal injection. Because although the risk is low, the visual consequences can be devastating. The gold standard for prevention is using betadine solution prior to the intravitreal injection. And there is limited data to support you wearing a mask, having your patient wear a mask, wearing gloves, using lidocaine jelly, or giving any antibiotics either before or after the injection. Remember, many patients may feel overwhelmed by the thought of an intravitreal injection, so it's very important to address any concerns the patient or their caregiver may have and to take steps to minimize their discomfort. Although Charlie was initially apprehensive about receiving an anti-VEGF injection, he shared that he has friends who also receive injections for macular degeneration and that he knew it might sound worse in theory than in practice. In the next session, we'll discuss how optimizing the frequency of injections can make treatment less burdensome for patients. Welcome back. In the previous session, we talked about the importance of identifying and addressing potential challenges patients and caregivers may face with intravitreal anti-VEGF therapy. In this session, we'll discuss the importance of optimizing injection frequency so that we can make treatment less burdensome for our patients. We know that treatment can be burdensome for patients. They may have a disruption of their routine or activities of daily living, in part because of the impact of the disease and the treatment, but also because of the time consumed by clinical visits. There's also a toll taken by their anxiety or fear about the diagnosis and treatment, and they may be worried about the discomfort and pain that can be caused by an injection and the possibility of further vision loss. So how can we make our treatments less burdensome for our patients? A simple solution is really to extend the dosing interval between injections as much as is safe, thereby minimizing the number of injections required in any given year. Understandably, it can be challenging to balance patients' preferences with the goals of therapy. Having these conversations with patients about treatment expectations is an effective way to improve patient satisfaction. Let's hear from Harriet Cohen, another patient of mine. My name is Harriet Newman Cohen. Uh, I am 90 years of age. Uh, I'm a practicing attorney. Uh, they call me amazing because I don't want to retire. Oprah actually interviewed me and um, the idea was will I retire and the answer was never. I work 24-7 and my eyes are my living because I'm a lawyer. I first noticed symptoms late at night on Sunday, March the uh, 13th, 2022. So it's about a year and a half ago. I was working at my computer, about to shut down, when I saw this brilliant burst of color in my right eye. And I thought, how beautiful. I had a very positive reaction. And then I realized something terrible is happening. This is not a positive experience. Something is happening to your eye. In denial, I didn't get to the retina specialist for 10 days. When I got there, it was Dr. Caden. She had been recommended to me, and thank goodness that she was. She's an amazing doctor, a very, very fine professional. And she described to me 
that I had wet macular degeneration in my right eye. At that point, I was uh, completely blind in the eye. I couldn't see dark. I couldn't see light. I, I had a huge hemorrhage right in the middle, so I couldn't see straight ahead, certainly couldn't read. She told me that there were some treatment options available for my condition, and she described that it would involve an injection of intravitreal um, solution of some sort directly into what I call my eyeball, was pretty scary, and then uh, asked me whether I uh, wanted to try that treatment. I went into this course of treatments and I was given injections approximately one every, once every six weeks or so until it came to a point where the condition very, very much improved. My peripheral vision um, came back. I could see light and dark. Uh, the center hemorrhage shrunk and so it was not as impairing as it had been when it was larger although I can't read on that eye if I don't have my left eye. I read, I do computer work, I drive my car day and night, uh, and I owe the success that I am experiencing to this very fine doctor, Dr. Caden, as well as to these injections, these intravitreal injections that Dr. Caden does into my eyeball. Speculum on my lid, numbing fluid, injection into the eyeball, no pain, uh, speculum removed, a uh, little wipe on my eye, I put my jacket back on, I go back to my office, within an hour or two I'm back on my computer, I'm back in my meetings, and uh, I'm not, I do not consider myself to be visually impaired. And I owe uh, the success that I'm experiencing at the moment, I don't want to be hubristic, and I don't want to give myself any kind of uh, kanaharas, but um, we're doing very, very well, Dr. Caden and I, and if she thinks I should have another injection, I will. Uh, and uh, uh, if anybody is uh, listening to me, no pain, lots of gain, uh, and I recommend it. Thanks, Harriet. As I mentioned earlier, we have a few new treatment options for neovascular age-related macular degeneration that can allow us to extend dosing intervals up to 16 weeks. Our goal is always going to be balancing the extension that we can get for our patients while also maintaining safety and visual improvement. Welcome back. In the prior session, we talked about the benefits of extending the dosing intervals for intravitreal anti-VEGF injections. In this session, we'll go into more detail about the treat and extend approach and practical approaches for adjusting dosing intervals. But first, back to our case. We've been following Charlie, a 75-year-old patient with neovascular age-related macular degeneration, who has agreed to initiate treatment with intravitreal anti-VEGF injections. I explained to Charlie that he'll need a number of injections. I told him he would likely start off with monthly injections and that we would extend the dosing frequency based on the prescribing information and how he responds to treatment. After Charlie's first injection, we obtained OCT images. In comparison to his baseline, you can see here that he now has a resolution of the subretinal fluid and he had an associated improvement in his vision. Let's discuss the standard approach for a treat and extend protocol. 
Clinical trials, as we discussed, are generally designed with a series of three to four monthly treatments before the patient is evaluated to see if they're a candidate for extended dosing. Most patients are extended by either two or four week intervals, and the current maximum approved interval for treatment is 16 weeks. Patients should be assessed at each visit to see if they can be extended, held at that interval, or if the time to next injection should be shortened because of clinical signs of disease activity or a decreased response to treatment. Remember that every patient may respond differently and therefore they may require a tailored treatment schedule. Let's look at some examples to help you get an idea of when you should consider extending the dosing interval for patients receiving intravitreal anti-VEGF injections. Let's begin with a patient who develops recurrent fluid, which necessitates a decrease in their interval dosing. This is the patient at presentation. Like Charlie, you can see that there was a neovascular membrane and subretinal fluid. After one injection, there was resolution of the subretinal fluid and an associated improvement in vision. But at the next visit, you can see that the patient now has recurrent subretinal fluid, which required a decreased interval for the treatment. We also are always looking for any signs of retinal hemorrhage. This is a patient who presented with a large subretinal hemorrhage. Here you can see the patient has a large pigment epithelial detachment, subretinal fluid, and subretinal hemorrhage. This is the fundus photo, which shows that subretinal hemorrhage quite well. After a single injection, there is near total resolution of the subretinal fluid, but persistence of the subretinal hemorrhage. We continue to treat regularly, and at the patient's most recent visit, you can see that there's been a resolution of all of the subretinal fluid, though there is still a small amount of subretinal hemorrhage. However, given how well the patient has responded and given his improved vision, the decision was made to extend the interval between injections. We've covered a lot of information in this program. I hope you take away these key messages. Educating patients about treatment expectations is important for allaying their fears and concerns about intravitreal injections. And when using intravitreal anti-VEGF therapies, our goal should be to extend the dosing interval as much as possible while also maintaining safety and visual improvement. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.